What's up guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today we're looking at Genesis 9, 10, and 11, and then we're looking at Matthew chapter 4 in the New Testament. So here in Genesis chapter 9, God is talking to Noah. The flood has just subsided. So the waters have gone down. God speaks to Noah and he tells Noah, you need to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So do what I told Adam and Eve to do, which is so interesting to us because some, sometimes we look at what God commands Adam and Eve and we think, well, that was in a perfect world. Like that doesn't happen now. Well, clearly in a fallen world, God repeats that commandment to Noah. And I think that's a commandment that all of us are given. We're all supposed to fulfill this commandment to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And then it says, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast. So now the relationship between humanity and the natural world has shifted and has changed. And now they're going to be really afraid. That's different than dominion, right? You can have dominion over things and they're not afraid of you. But now the beasts are going to be afraid. And it says that they're given to be eaten now. So meat, the idea of, of eating meat is not an immoral thing because God says you can have it. it, it it's free for you to take now. Um, and then it says... For your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man. So if someone sheds your blood as a human, that person will be responsible. Or even it says that animal will be responsible. There will be a reckoning. Uh, there's going to be revenge that needs to be taken on that person or that animal. So in the Old Testament law, the way we see that described is if a animal kills another human being, the first order of business is that animal, no matter how majestic, no matter how amazing, that animal needs to be put to death because they deserve to be put to death. And then further, if a human puts someone to death immorally and unjustly, they also should be put to death. And where do we see that? Verse six, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Which is very interesting because when you think about this, it's odd that a lot of people look at the very first time this is talked about where man and women are made in his image. They think, well, in the fall then, that must have corrupted it so much that man and women now are not made in God's image. Well, Genesis 9 puts that to rest because it says, no, we are made in his image even, even after the fall. Even after there's murder, even after the flood, we are still made in God's image, which means you and I need to treat each other and all those around us who are humans in a way that gives them the dignity of image bearers of God. And further, we are supposed to image God. We're supposed to function in the world in a way that shows the world that God is glorious and majestic. So that's Genesis 9 here. And God says, I'm going to make a promise to you and I'm going to give you a sign of the promise. And the sign of the promise is a rainbow. God puts the rainbow in the sky and says, whenever you see that, just remember, I am promising not to flood the earth with water again in the same way. I'm promising to you, I will not flood the earth in this big universal way again, which is interesting. When you see that signal and then you see that sign today, you probably don't think of God's goodness and, and God's covenant to people, but that was what it was originally designed for. I mean, a lot of people have taken it to mean things that it is evil and wrong, but here it says, God put the bow in the sky and he says, I will remember my covenant that's between me and you. So interesting. It's not just we're supposed to remember. God says, I will remember it and call it to mind. And it says in Genesis chapter nine, further, Noah uh, chooses to do what's sinful. He gets drunk, which is interesting. Whenever you see someone getting drunk in the Bible, what follows very swiftly afterwards is either consequences for that sin or stupid decisions they make because they're drunk. So this is something that, again, we're not supposed to look at and say, oh, well, they did it in the Bible. We should do it now. The whole point is Noah falls into sin here. And then it says that one of his sons, Ham, falls into sin. He does something that's shameful to his dad. 
We don't know what it is, but the point is he gets in trouble for that. And Noah has to curse actually his son, Canaan. And we're going to see that played out in the rest of the history of the Old Testament, where God sends his people to disperse and to kill the people that live in the land of Canaan, the people of Canaan in the land of Canaan. So anyway, that's Genesis 9. There's a lot for Genesis chapter 9, but Genesis 10 is the descendants of Noah. And we see different people in different countries. A lot of the, the people from Japheth often go up to the north. Um, the people from Shem and Ham um, go kind of down to the south and live in the Middle East. So Japheth probably, a lot of scholars think Japheth, his descendants kind of went out to Asia and to Europe. And a lot of Ham's descendants were right in that region of the Middle East. Some went down to Africa. And a lot of the Shemites, the people from Shem, they lived in the Middle East. Some of them went down to Africa. Some of them went to Europe. So they kind of spread out after this. But the problem was they didn't spread out like they should have. Genesis 11 is the story of people choosing to do what God told them don't do. It's a rebellious story. It's the Tower of Babel. So the people go to the land of Shinar, which is probably near where Babylon is, is well, not today, but where Babylon was built later on. But it says that they said, we don't want to disperse ourselves over the, over the face of the earth. Let us make a name for ourselves, which is a direct quote of of what God said. You're supposed to disperse yourself, not stay in one place and make a name for yourself. You're supposed to disperse over the earth. They say, hey, let's get together because we don't want to disperse over the earth. It's very clear. They're rebelling against God here. And God has to say, I'm going to destroy this tower and I'm going to destroy all this. And I'm going to disperse them. And what does he do? He splits their languages. So this seems to be the first time people are speaking different languages. We have an allusion to that in the last chapter, but in Genesis 11 is where that really takes place. So one big thing that we need to take is we need to never choose to rebel against God, never choose to do what is wrong, where God has said, this is what you ought to do. And we think, oh, well, you know, if we disobey that, then we'll really be happy. Then we'll really get things going. Never works out for us. Never works out for people in general. So speaking of sin and temptation, in Genesis or in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus actually is out being tempted in the wilderness. So it says that he's led into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan for 40 days and he's fasting. So you got to imagine, remember Jesus, fully God, fully man, feeling the entire weight of temptation in a body, in a, in a constitution, in a frame that is very vulnerable, right? Because he has not eaten. Just like if you chose to not eat and not sleep very well and to live in the wilderness, you probably be pretty cranky, right? Well, that is something Satan's trying to capitalize on. But Jesus shows his power and his righteousness. I mean, we talked about fulfilling all righteousness in chapter 3. How about chapter 4, where he says, I will not sin. Even when Satan shows Jesus the word of God and twists it to his own meaning, Jesus says, no, no, the word of God really says this. And that's actually how Jesus fights his temptation. He takes God's word and he quotes it back to Satan, which is a helpful way for us to think, how should we fight temptation? Well, by taking God's word rightly and knowing what it says and fighting the temptation in our hearts fighting the lies with the truth so then it says after this jesus began his ministry and he started in the place in the north near the tribe the tribes of zebulun and naphtali which was to fulfill isaiah chapter 9 where it says in the land of deep darkness there would be a great light that would shine and what's the summary what's the message that jesus gives to these people matthew chapter 4 verse 17 here's the message Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn from your sin. The kingdom is coming. That's the same message we preach today. We need to repent. You guys need to repent. We tell people in our lives, you need to turn from your sin because the kingdom is coming. It's coming soon, and Jesus is that king. 
Then it says he calls some people and some people turn from their sin. A guy named Peter leaves his boats and even his brother, um, Andrew, and his friends, James and John, they leave their boats and they follow Jesus. And he preaches to the crowds, which as you think about uh, your past life of sin, maybe uh, you're a Christian now and you've turned from your sin. Maybe you're not a Christian and you need to turn from your sin. If you're not a Christian, you need to hear this very loud and clear what he says. You're called to turn from your sin, repent, and follow Jesus. And that's what he calls these disciples to do. And that's what us Christians do every single day. So as you engage today and whatever you're going to do, I want you to remember this. These men left everything to follow Jesus. We ought to have the same spirit to leave whatever God wants to leave us, whatever God wants us to leave behind, we ought to leave it behind to follow Jesus rightly. Whether that's sin, whether that's um, immoral things that we do, whether that's bad decisions, whether that's our own autonomous freedom or whatever we think it is, we need to give it up to follow Jesus rightly. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.